just jumping in really quickly at the start of today's episode to tell you about some upcoming opportunities to see us live in the flesh. And you can see us live at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival 2024. We are doing three live podcasts on Sundays at 3.30 at Basement Comedy Club, April 7, 14 and 21. You can get tickets at dogoonpod.com. Matt, you're also doing some shows around the country. That's right. I'm doing shows with Saren Jaimana, who's been on the show before. We're going to be in Perth in January, Adelaide in February, Melbourne through the festival in April and then Brisbane after that. I'm also doing Who Knew It's in Perth and Adelaide. Uh, details for all that stuff at mattstewartcomedy.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hi, I'm Una Chaplin, and I'm the host of a new podcast called Hollywood Exiles. It tells the story of how my grandfather, Charlie Chaplin, and many others were caught up in a campaign to root out communism in Hollywood. It's a story of glamour and scandal and political intrigue and a battle for the soul of a nation. Hollywood Exiles from CBC Podcasts and the BBC World Service. Find it wherever you get your podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. Hello and welcome to another episode of Do Go On. My name is Dave Warnke and I'm here with Matt Stewart and Jess Perkins. Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody. That's right. We are a very inclusive show. Everyone that is a person, no animals. Oh, I did not agree to that. No, no. Dogs welcome. Obviously, Caesar from Planet of the Apes is okay by me. <laughs> Obviously, Warnke the cat. Warnke the cat. Well, I'll make an exception. There's also a... I've, I haven't replied to this tweet yet, but there's a, a, a chicken named Bop. Fuck yes. Yeah. Chicken Bop or something like that. Named after um, Gary Busey. I don't understand it either. Um, <laughs> <laughs> why, why Gary Busey? I don't know. I think that's just one of the go-to names. Okay. It's normally a Gary. Uh, Gary Busey is one. Um, another one is... Coleman. Gary Coleman. Yeah. That's, that's Gary sure. Coleman. Fair enough. The list of Garys does go on. Yeah. I like... Um, Barry Cable as well is another good one. That's not, he was like a 70s footballer. Anyway. Um, <laughs> wait, 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 well, wait. speaking of cables and cabling. Okay. Where you kind going? of. Where are you going with this? Well, if you have cable internet, you can now look us up online. Or if you have any internet at all, we have launched a website. hey That's right. Just, it just took nearly uh, two and a half years for us <laughs> to get off our old high horses. Uh, yeah. Only dickheads have websites. We said for a long time. We're very stubborn on that. Yeah. Right. This, dot like, com, this dot com boom, this bubble's going to pop, baby. We don't want to be accessible. Mm. 
No, <laughs> thank you. So we have dogoonpod.com for all your dogoon needs. Yes. In one which place. there are many. It was a, a listener who helped us get that domain. Yes, thank you. Lachlan Rocker actually bought the domain for us. What and then bloody just ledge. bloody donated it to us. So thank you very much for re- you. Really, you're the one who kicked our ass into gear and made us have a website. So yeah. thank you so much, Lachlan. Thank you, Rocker. Uh, and on that website, Dave, I believe I haven't even seen it yet, but uh, I believe there's a little merch section. That is right, because as well as having all the links to our Patreon and now all the contact details, and you can also just type in dogoonpod.com uh, now, and it takes you. Well, you can go to a page where you can suggest a topic. Super, super easy. There is also a merch tab. So we finally have, through our Redbubble, a couple of designs that our international listeners can get. And Aussie listeners, but anyone uh, who... You don't have to come to a live show anymore. That's yeah. what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Never come to a live show again is well, what we're saying. Not, that's not what Do we're saying. Do not buy tickets to our live no, the, shows. Well, I mean, there are still exclusive designs you can only get at the live show. I set fire to that suitcase. <laughs> I did not understand what you guys... Well, I ho- now have a website. Everything's changed. <laughs> hoping to have an announcement uh, for some live shows on next week's episode as well. So For a certain city in Australia Ooh. who shall remain nameless, but let's just Ooh. say... Let's just say it starts with Tam and ends in work. <laughs> Tamworth, we're coming for you. The Golden Guitars. We're, yeah. going there for, <laughs> we're taking some it. Dusty's crown, baby. <laughs> it's a hat. It's not a crown. We're not coming to Tamworth. I'm so sorry, Tamworth. Very excited. You're very small. I love Tamworth's great. I've been there a couple of love Tamworth. Focus. We love yes. Tamworth. Focus. But anyway, so we'd love for you to check out our website. Tell us what you think about it. And also, uh, if you want to buy a T-shirt now, you can do that. Please do that. Yeah. And it'll be really cool to, in a few weeks, hopefully, see a few of you sending us photos of you oh, that'd be lounging amazing. around in your shirts. Wouldn't that be cool? So cool. A couple of designs up for now. We'll be adding to them, you know, over the next few months. Yeah, and that's right. new designs and stuff. So, If you have any ideas for designs, yeah. like any quotes or anything, that uh, recurring stuff from the show, you want us to, if you want us to put it on a T-shirt, now we are able to do that. How cool is and that? And it supports the show, so it's super cool. All because of this dot-com boom, which <laughs> yes. we are now... We are now in at the ground it level. It refuses to burst. <laughs> like but this. when it does, no, it, oh boy, will we look smug. And it really, really was worth hiring those 24 people to build this website. Yes. The outlay was literally millions, but we've been told that websites, that's where the cash comes in. The cash. We love cash. So anyway, this show uh, is called Do Go On. You guys familiar with this? Yes, and it has a website. Yeah, it's got a website, dogoonpod.com. The way this show works is the three of us, uh, that's you, Dave, me, Matt, and uh, Jess, um, we each take it in turns. Hurts every time. (laughs) We each take it in turns to do a topic, report on a topic, and this week it is Jess Bob Perkins' turn. Yep. Did I say that right? Sorry, I'm still getting my head around your... Name? Yeah, you're... Yeah. My aura. Thanks so much for joining the show anyway. It's great to have you on. <laughs> Two and a half years, honestly. We're losing him. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I'm fading, I'm fading. <laughs> My old mind is fading by the week. And the way we get onto the topic of the show mm-hmm. is the report giver ask a question, asks a question, <laughs> ask a question, and then uh, David and I will try to answer it. And talking's proving difficult for me tonight, um, which is a bit of a worry. All right, so over to you, Jess. Yeah, and I wrote a question. Yes. In honour of the website. It's the first thing I wrote. Do you call them gestions? I do. 
<laughs> Seriously, I'm so worried about him. Yeah, <laughs> I'm doing portmanteaus now. I hate myself. I love them. Um, my question is, who sang the most famous rendition of Happy Birthday? Ooh. I think, um, I know, is of the song. I know the Beatles have a song called Happy Birthday, Paul McCartney. Yeah, off, I think mm-hmm. off the White Album. I'm, I'm, I've got a good guess here. I'm. I think I do too. I, are you guessing a is it Marilyn for... Manson type person? <laughs> so so close, Charles Manson. Correct. Yay! We've already done Charles Manson. I'm doing it again. <laughs> um, I think I just fused Bess, <laughs> Bob and Jesse, and called you Bess. Anyway. <laughs> I might just uh, sit this one out if you guys don't mind taking it away. Is this a version of happy birthday for a certain Mr. President? It might just be. Is this episode about Marilyn Monroe or is it about... Happy birthday. ...the song, That Fateful Day? It is about Marilyn Monroe. The suggestions... It's been suggested a couple of times. One person just saying Marilyn Monroe, two others saying Marilyn Monroe conspiracy theories. Oh, my... Goodness. Right. Um, so I it is about Marilyn Monroe and I'm going to tell a bit of her life story oh. and then a bit of a discussion because, I mean, you can't do a full report on six theories. Not really. Not in a lot of detail. There's six theories. It's about that. So. Wow. Is that cool? You lost count somewhere on the way to six. Yeah. I do that often. I get bored. <laughs> like one, two, nah, fuck it. Who cares? Nothing matters. <laughs> Everything ends. It's the second time you said that tonight, <laughs> Jess. Everything all right? No. I'm feeling really hyper, which feels wasted on my own episode. No, know? no, bring the bring the magic. Marilyn Monroe, a very a, a very iconic person. Yeah, an absolute icon. So shall I? <laughs> Please do go on. Fantastic. Please. Well, this is a great name. Gladys Pearl Baker. That's a good name. Married John Newton Baker when she was fifteen and he was twenty six. They had two children together, Robert and Bernice. She filed for divorce in 1921 and Baker took the children with him to his native Kentucky. I'm I'm getting to the point, trust me. In 1924, Gladys married her second husband, Martin Edward Mortensen. The marriage only lasted a few months before they separated and divorced a few years later in 1928. However, somewhere in between, on June the 1st, 1926, Gladys gave birth to her daughter, Norma Jean Mortensen. (sighs) I knew her name was Norma Jean because of that Elton John song. Yeah. Norma Jean. Is that what he says? Yes. <laughs> Candle God, we good. You know all those YouTube comments that are like, these guys are just fuckheads. <laughs> Correct. Stop listening. <laughs> yeah. Fuck you. <laughs> Please go away. <laughs> There you go, sorted that. <laughs> <laughs> the father's identity was unknown, despite the name Mortensen being used on the birth certificate, but Baker being used more throughout Norma Jean's life. Um, Gladys hadn't been prepared for a child, mentally or financially. Uh, Norma Jean was placed in the care of foster parents, Albert and Ida Bolander. Uh, not There's a lot of ugly names so far. Ida, are you kidding me? <laughs> it's beautiful. Bernice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'd say ugly, but also beautiful. Bernice is her sister's name. Um, and um, Bernice is my sister's <laughs> name. You can call me Matt. <laughs> Please. Bernice is my sister. 
What about Norma? Norma's no good. Norma. The person that my parents bought their current house off, I'm pretty sure her name was Norma. Just a little fun fact. Really? And they trusted trusted this woman? Now people are going to find where my parents live. I quite quite like um, names that are boring man names that have been feminised. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Norm, Norma. Glenda. Burn. (laughs) Bernie. Bernice. Matt. Matilda. Matilda's cute. No, I like Matilda. They've upgraded there, haven't they? Yeah, Tony. Matt's a bit shit. Tony, Tonya. (laughs) Never Tony. Never got Tony as a name. (laughs) Never never appealed. (laughs) Tony's a great name. I've never understood Tony as a name. Tony. I take it all back. Every name I've said is great. Is there is there a feminine of Gary? Gacinda. Gacinda, beautiful. That's a beautiful name. <laughs> a beautiful name. Mm, no, I guess not. What would you call it? Um, Garinda. Perfect. Mm. What, about, what about Gary? Oh, just, just roll the, the R a bit. Here. Oh, no, but it's a double E. Oh. Gary. Oh, no. Not like, when you know. Like, a bit like Marie. Oh, it's Gary. No, but it, when because we wouldn't say it like that. We'd say it like Gary, and that's yuck. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's what these people want. <sighs> that's not what I want. I, they, want, they want horrible names. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my name's Dave, so. <laughs> yeah, we got some pretty great <laughs> no names. good. Yeah, we can judge. <laughs> Dave. 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 I, like, no. honestly, when I think about myself, I'm like, oh, I'm not a Dave. How did this happen? What do you think you are? Norma. <laughs> I'm a landlady. <laughs> okay. You're all Dave. Am I Dave? It just doesn't. Please take your jacket off any louder. <laughs> <laughs> I just bought a new down jacket and it is really loud and really fucking hot. Wow. I'm just going to take my scarf off now. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to do it so quietly. It was so fucking loud and I'm leaving it all in. <laughs> Anyway, Matt, do you want to remove any items of clothing? This is strip potting now. I just just wanted uh, the listeners to know that I have a new jacket and it is reversible. Two jackets in one. It's not. It's still one jacket, just two colour options. Two colour options in one. (laughs) What's the other colour? Uh, You got a a beige or a blue. Well, you're not going to wear the beige ever, are you? No, it looks actually really good. (laughs) It looks so good. No, it doesn't. Anyway, can I... I'm sad that I have to tell myself to go on here. Please go on. Thank you so much. I got okay, to, so I got just two recap. So Norma's been born. She's a Mortenson by name, but not Mortenson. A baker by life. Right, but she's been adopted by, what are the other she, people? She's just living in a foster care. Albert oh, right. and Ida Bollander. And Albert I like. Ida you're not a fan of. Ida's fine. I'd take it all back. Who am I to fucking judge? Okay. I hate myself now. Shut up. I Matt. love every name we've heard so far. Okay. Well, Gladys actually lived with uh, Ida and Albert as well. So, like, they're looking after her kid and are foster, fostering her, but she's also living with them for a little while. Um, and she's uh, they were in this uh, rural town called Hawthorne uh, and she would commute to L.A. for work and eventually she ended up moving back to the city uh, because of work in 1927 because the commute was too long. Although I looked it up and it's like 20 minutes. Right. But that's today. Probably was a little bit different. Yeah, when you're travelling by horse and car. In the 20s. Yeah. Anyway. Which I imagine she was not. (laughs) She still visited her daughter on weekends and she'd take her to the cinemas or they'd go sightseeing. And Albert and Ida actually, they did want to adopt Norma Jean, but by 1933 Gladys was secure enough 
to support her young daughter and, and she bought a small house in Hollywood for them to live in. Um, however, the next year in 1934, Gladys had a mental breakdown and was diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia. And after several months, she was committed to the Metropolitan State Hospital, which still exists today, um, and it's a public hospital for, for the mentally ill. And she spent the rest of her life in and out of hospitals and had minimal contact with her daughter from then on. So, oh, really? So she just wasn't in her life anymore? No. Nah. And also I read that uh, Norma Jean didn't know she had a, a sister. She had a brother and a sister. Her brother died relatively young, I believe, uh, but she didn't know she had a sister until she was about 12 years old or something and, and only met her much later in life. So, yeah, it was just her and her mum and then her mum was um, – in hospital. So at the age of seven, Norma Jean became a ward of the state and her mother's friend, Grace McKee Goddard, took responsibility over her and her mother's affairs. And over the next few years, she moved around a lot, living with different foster families and moving to different schools. Um, unfortunately, she didn't have a good experience in foster care and she was sexually abused during her time living with the Atkinson family. Um, she withdrew, became really shy, even more shy, and she developed a stutter. And she briefly stayed with Grace and her husband, Erwin Doc. His na- nickname was Doc Goddard. Doc's a good name. Doc Goddard. Doc right. Goddard. As well as two other families before Grace ended up placing her in Los Angeles Orphan Home in Hollywood in September of 1935. Holy shit. Did the Atkinsons ever get brought to justice? I don't think so. And, well, that's where it gets really fucked because, hang on a sec. So... Eventually, Grace became a legal guardian after the staff at the orphanage had the staggering realisation that perhaps this child might prefer to live in a family home instead of an orphanage. Hmm. So Grace, They realised that about her but no one else. Yeah, they're like, mm, I just don't feel like she fits in at this orphanage. Haven't they seen Annie? Oh, no, that, that was a great life, wasn't it? A hard knock life. We'll go out of heart, yeah, which I think means real fun time. Real fun time. Uh, so in early 1937, she went to live with Grace and Doc. And this stay only lasted a few months because she was sexually abused by Doc. Oh, no. Don't make me like a guy's name and find out he's fucked. I wasn't going to let you go too far into the name Doc. Matt was, like, loving Doc. And... You weren't loving Doc. Oh, fuck. You're a bad judge. See, even a good name can be a bad person. Let that be a lesson. I've learned something here today. <laughs> so I'm trying to move past this fucked stuff. but uh, So, again, she was moved around a lot. Uh, eventually she settled with Grace's elderly aunt, Anna Atchison Lower, and she was enrolled in Emerson Junior High School and was an overall mediocre student but excellent in writing and she got involved in the school newspaper and she had a, like a, a good few years. Um, however, as Anna was elderly and started to suffer deteriorating health, Norma moved back with Grace and Doc again. Oh, no. A couple of years after leaving their house. That doesn't make any sense. Why? Why did she choose to or what did they make oh, it's not her choice. Yeah, I was going to say. That's fucked. How old is she at this point? Um, 38. No, <laughs> she was, uh, I'm doing math, 12? Oh, my God. 12 when she's back because she just finished junior high. Oh, what a nightmare. Imagine, oh, fucking hell. Maybe she's a little bit older because she was only back with them for around a year. And in 1942, Doc was relocated to West Virginia for work. But because of the Californian child protection laws, which didn't allow a child to be removed from the state, she couldn't go with them, which is probably like a blessing, but also yeah. meant that she'd probably have to go back to the orphanage. 
sounds like that's the that's better. Yeah, but to avoid this, just after her 16th birthday, she married the 21-year-old next-door neighbour, James Doherty, and she dropped out of school and became a housewife, which is probably, I mean. What a, what a, so you're either a child in an orphanage or a married housewife. Yeah. And she said, marriage didn't make me sad, but it didn't make me happy either. My husband and I hardly spoke to each other. This wasn't because we were angry. We just had nothing to say. I was dying of boredom. Oh my God. Her husband, James, enlisted in the Merchant Marines and shipped out to the Pacific in 1944. And Norma Jean lived with his parents and got a job at Radio Plane Munitions Factory to earn her own income. And this is where things really started to happen for old Norma Jean. Okay, good. <laughs> we need a bit of something Oof. to cling on to here. Yeah, that's, um, that's it. Because, you know, she, she was bored. She was a ha- Imagine being a housewife in a time where there wasn't anything else, which I think this time was. There was no internet. Get there out. was no Netflix. There was no et cetera's. You know what I mean? Yeah. Far out. What do you do what with do your you days? Do? Yeah. Well, I mean, a lot of it. She probably didn't even have an eight-screen cinemaplex in the nearing town, the nearing town, <laughs> which is what I call Nearby town. The nearing town. Yeah. It's an olden days term. Yeah, yeah. Oh, right, right, right. Mm. Um, So late in that year, a photographer named David Conover was sent to the factory she was working at to shoot some morale-boosting photos of the female workers, including taking a few photos of Norma Jean. And although her photos weren't used, she quit working at the factory in January of 1945 and began modelling for Conover and his photographer friends. Wow, she didn't even get picked. (laughs) Didn't get picked. She's like... I got it. Obviously, somebody was like, you got what it takes, toots. And she was like, I do. Um, she moved out of her in-law's home, much to their disapproval, and she signed a contract with Blue Book Model Agency. Um, she had naturally brunette curly hair. Do you know that? Mm, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <coughs> I, don't, I don't think I knew that. There you go. Um, which she straightened and she dyed blonde, thinking it would gain her more modelling work. Which is why I straightened and dyed my hair blonde. Oh, we know. Oh. I did not get much modelling work, so I've gone back to El Natural. Oh. Right. And I have picked up a lot of modelling work since. That's that's your hair. That's not a choice. Yeah. Wow. <gasps> okay. I, Do you I, think, wait, you thought someone was going to choose this? I thought that was like a statement piece, you know? Yeah, it's an art piece, it is. I thought you were being edgy. Mm. I thought it was a hat. <laughs> <laughs> Dave wakes up in the morning and he's got six of the same ones there <laughs> ready to go. He's like, hmm, which one will I wear today? Oh, better put on the Thursday. <laughs> Dave, don't give away that we're recording this on a Thursday. <gasps> there was we? a one in seven chance. True. Um, and she was hardworking and she was very ambitious and by early the next year she'd appeared on 33 magazine covers for publications. Bloody hell. That seems like a lot. That's heaps, isn't I'd it? I'd kill for one cover. What kind of magazine covers? Just all sorts of different things because she was more of a, a um, her figure suited a pin-up style more so than like fashion photography. So I think she was in quite a lot of ads uh, and men's magazines and stuff like that. Men's magazines? Nothing. I uh, n- yeah, she did like she did do nudes later, but they weren't like Playboy magazines. It was just like yeah, I remember magazines. that we talked. To, she she, she was the first, to, but yeah, against her, mm. he bought the picture. Yeah, he mm. he's a real dog. But it kind of worked in her favor, and I'll and I'll 
uh, talk about that a little bit later. Sizzle. Um, the owner of the modelling agency. I wonder if she did like Dog and Gun magazine. Probably. And Turtle and Hound magazine. Other 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 things matched with dogs. Other. Um, other and, and pup. Motor magazine. Motor and, uh, yeah, Car and, car and um, Beagle monthly. Car and Beagle monthly, yes. Mm, for, I mean, that was when magazines were at their height. So you could, any niche. Yeah. They picked two, put them together, and you could find it. So if you're into motorcycles, but you also collect feathers. Yes. Motorcycle Feather Monthly. Yeah. Wow. That existed. For seven months. For a little while it was weekly, um, <laughs> one week, and then it, um, like, it, we're going to have to back this yeah, up a little. I do not have enough content for another week. <laughs> Monthly, quarterly, and then uh, once a century. We are due for a new issue in about four years' time. It's very exciting. Greg's, he's been able to feather one bike so far, which made the cover <laughs> and every other page. It um, looks incredible, it to does. be fair. But, yeah, that is happening slower than we were hoping. Come on, Greg. <laughs> Turns out you can't put feathers in or around the exhaust, they will set a light, yeah. uh, which we learnt the hard way. But that's, That is fascinating. That's publishing. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to set some shit on fire. That's publishing, baby. Rule number one. Put that on a T-shirt. Set shit on fire. <laughs> the owner of the modelling agency. The f- feathers were, uh, they, they had been lit first. So we probably should have figured it out. We also shouldn't have been lighting them on fire <laughs> before putting them after dipping uh, them in, exactly. especially after we dipped them in gasoline. I yes. mean, that was looking back. Not gasoline, Dave. Mm. Nice international language. Gasoline. Yeah, a bit, bit of liquid petroleum gas. Bit of uh, kerosene. Hey Jess, do go on. Alrighty. <laughs> the owner of the modelling agency, who was called Emmeline Snively. Okay, we're back in with a good name here. Emmeline Snively. Snively is fantastic. Emmeline, Good morning, Mrs. Snively. Snively is Sounds good. made up and good. She was impressed with, uh, with Norma Jean's work ethic and her success and arranged for her to have a meeting <laughs> with an acting agency. Um, Paramount Pictures said, oh, no, thank you. But she met with an executive from 20th Century Fox. And, again, they weren't super impressed, but they decided to give her a standard six-month contract to avoid her signing with their rival. They were like, yeah, well, just, I mean, just to keep her on our books. But... I tell you what, Marilyn Monroe was a 20th Century Fox. Matt. Yeah. She's also a person. I thought she was a real Paramount picture. <laughs> Hang on. Doesn't work so well. Oh, boy. I thought she was a real spotlight entertainment. <laughs> I thought she was a real sit, ubu, sit. <laughs> good dog. <laughs> she was a real good dog. Oh, hang on. Oh, no. Um, so she and Ben Lyon, who was the executive from 20th Century Fox that she'd met with, chose the stage name Marilyn Monroe. Oh. It's an absolute belter of a name. It's a good name. And the first. And I can't tell you now if that's because it's her name and I know her and she's so, such a yeah. pop culture icon that I think of that as cool. But it just it sounds cool. It does yes. sound good. And the first name Marilyn was chosen by uh, Ben Lyon, who thought Norma reminded him of Marilyn Miller, who was a Broadway star in the 20s and 30s, which is kind of cool. Mm. And Munro chose, uh, was chosen by Norma because that was her mother's maiden name. Oh. Nice and easy one there. Oh, I didn't realise that. That's cool. Yeah. So Marilyn Munro. Um, and that, later that year in 1946, she divorced James because he didn't support her having a career. So yeah. she was like, peace. Hit the road, James. Yeah. Which I think is great. Divorce is great. 
Um, they also had nothing in common. Yeah. Wasn't like they had the best marriage ever and he didn't support her. This is the one it thing. It was both a shit marriage and he wasn't supportive. <clears throat> I think that's probably enough crosses. Yeah, I think on so James. too. I think so. PO, Jimmy Boy. I think they could have tried to work it out in counseling. Do you reckon? Absolutely. I do not agree. <laughs> I do not think that at all. <clears throat> Life's too long to not fight for bad relationships. <laughs> Agreed. Mm. I mean,. We've got so much time. That's why I've been miserable for 15 years yeah. now. Yeah, Fight it out. Yeah, your marriage is terrible, yeah. but I don't think you should leave it. No, I never will. <laughs> <laughs> I'll die unhappy. <laughs> it was a beautiful ceremony. Thank you. Yeah. I imagine. The first few months of her contract were less about actual acting roles and more focused on acting, singing and dancing lessons. What sort of dances do you reckon? Was she giving them or taking them? Taking them. Makes sense. And Matt, you were around in the 40s. What yeah. sort of... I was uh, a song and dance man through those years. <laughs> what actually. kind of dance moves might she have been learning? I was doing the Charleston back then. I was doing the Shigishunau. I was doing the Fredison Stare. Oh, I, was I thought... doing the... What is, about it, the... is it true you invented that one? Yeah, yeah. Back then I was known as Greg Fredison. Oh. And what about... I used to walk up and down stairs every day. And, you know, one thing led to another. I'm like, hang on, hang on. Oh, yeah. The rest, as they say. The Cincinnati razzle-dazzle? Oh, the razzle-dazzle's there. Mm. Um, plenty of great moves came out of Cincinnati in those years. The Cincinnati shuffle, uh, mm-hmm. the Cincinnati sit and squeal. The Cincinnati. <laughs> <laughs> I don't sit know, the list, and squeal? Yeah, the list, the list does what go on. What are you on. sitting on? Pig. Um... <laughs> You just ride a pig around the dance floor? Yeah, it was pig riding, to be honest. <laughs> he zhuzhed it up by calling it a dance, but really it was old-fashioned pig riding. <laughs> Sit and squeal. It's the uh, only way we could get our pigs into the dance houses, <laughs> which is what we used to call nightclubs. <laughs> I'm learning so much about your life. And history. Cincinnati history. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, are these the exact dance moves that Marilyn was being taught? These That's word for word what I have right. listed here. Mm. No point in rehashing then. Oh, I shan't. <laughs> <laughs> Her first two film roles uh, consisted of nine lines of dialogue as a waitress in the drama Dangerous Years, which was in 1947, and a one-line appearance in the comedy, this is so good, Scudder Who, Scudder Hey! <laughs> <laughs> That's the whole reason I left it in there. <laughs> you did, did you have the line? What was the line? Scudder who? Scudder hey! She had the titular line. No, I don't know what she said. Bloody hell. <laughs> I, I need to know more about this film. No. <laughs> I don't, I How have... do you sell, spell Scudder who? S-C-U-D-D-A. New word. Scudder who? Scudder who? Scudder who? Scudder who? Scudder. Scudder who? Scudder hey! That makes even less sense somehow. It makes no sense at all, but I love it. It was one of the moves we were doing back in Cincinnati. Yeah, the Scudder the who. Cincinnati Scudder who. And, and the it Cincinnati won, uh, Scudder hey. It was a call and, re- call and response uh, dance move. <laughs> Skip it a bit. Scudder who? <laughs> when I say Scudder who, you say Scudder hey. Scudder who? Scudder hey! Scudder who? Scudder hey! You it guys won- know it? Yeah. It won eight Academy Awards. <laughs> you guys would have loved the dance houses back then. Dance houses. They sound like so much fun. I've yeah. never liked nightclubbing, but I, lo- I love dance housing. Yeah, me I too. Love it. You just don't find that many good dance houses these days. No. 
Um, so yeah, but th- th- those were her minor roles in that sort of first uh, first few months. The studio had enrolled her in the Actors Laboratory Theatre. Have you heard of it at all, Dave? No, I actually haven't. It's an acting school teaching the techniques of the group theatre. Does group theatre ring a bell? No, it does not. Are these things you learn about, you remember from in drama, drama school? school? Well, one particular name here will definitely ring a bell. A theatre collective based in New York City and formed in 1931 by Harold Clerman, Cheryl Crawford and Lee Strasberg. Oh, yes. Ah, the Strasberg method. That was fucking on the roof. <laughs> <laughs> he had a lot of theories about... Um, conceiving, you know, some people like eat a lemon if you yeah. have a boy, like, fuck on the roof. Get up on that roof. <laughs> <laughs> Tile roof, boy, mm-hmm. colour bond, slipping out onto the ground and hurting your butt. <laughs> <laughs> that's what he always used to say. It wasn't as catchy, but it was accurate. And that's all there is to know about acting. <laughs> and Lee Strasberg. That's um, a, is he the me- he's method? No, who's who's the method guy? That's Stanislavski. Stanislavski. Which, what was Strasbourg? He just had a famous school that's still going. And the um the actors studio. Ah, oh, welcome to the actors studio. Yeah, the actors studio was Strasbourg. Strasbourg was kind of method as well, wasn't he? Yeah, I mean, a lot of those people sort of. Uh... I think I talk about it a little bit later where he was teaching. He he's 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 pretty method, I think. But yeah, like the king, the method guy is Russian. Stanislavski. Stanislavski. Right. Yes, I feel like. I feel like I um, verified a question on the chase about this. Mm. Oh. And I think maybe he, like, did he, he came from that school or something, but it's such a vague memory. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Well, I think the thing with a lot of theatre practitioners is, like, there's, I think there's overlapping, you could say, you know? Yeah, because Stanislavski is, like, over 100 years ago. Mm. Right. So yeah. then other people take things from him but maybe combine it with something else or their own theories or... Similar to the idea of uh, duck and uh, goose... Uh, monthly magazine. <laughs> they took the idea of a duck, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then they said, well, how, can we, how can we bring this into the 20th century? What's a more fashionable animal? And then someone said the immortal sentence, got a goose, got a hit. <laughs> <laughs> that old publishing cliche. And I know, like, a lot of people don't know where that originated from, but that's that was actually the context. So, so. that was um, Stanislavski. <laughs> yes. <laughs> wow. He really is a genius. He's so influential. Wow. Yeah. Wow. When I uh, when I was in Year Twelve, they did a um, they did a Creative Arts Award at the end of the year, and somebody won for like art, as in, like um, studio art, visual art, visual art. Thank you. Uh, music and drama, and I won for drama. Thank you so much. Please hold your applause. I had a funny feeling this story was going to a humble brag. <laughs> <laughs> and no. did you also get the music and the art? No. I will not hold the applause. <laughs> that is applause worthy. Because I only got one. Oh, whoa. Oh. Withdrawn applause. I said it. No. <laughs> yeah, I'm confused. Did you not get the Triptych of Awards? No, I didn't get the Triptych of Awards. Okay, so why are we talking about this? <laughs> because. <laughs> sorry, sorry. That was a real setup there. <laughs> Because were the, you a single threat? The, I was a single threat, and now I'm still forever a single threat. You're a goddamn single a threat. lonely threat. I can do one thing at a time. Anyway, I, my prize was a book by Lee Strasberg. Okay, we got there. Fuck oh. it out. He's the guy who came up with jeans, isn't he? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, Levi Strasberg. <laughs> 
did so much. God, he was a busy guy. Deserves his own episode. Uh, Deserves his own book, which Jess has. I have it somewhere. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. If it's your first ever website or your business is expanding... Not in a way that's like, oh, my God, it's expanding, like, yeah, yeah. More physically. Like it's growing, more customers, yes. more interest. Not like it's going to explode. Yeah, not like it's a building that's, like, blowing up and yeah, it's yeah. all, what's happening? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, Squarespace makes it easy to create a beautiful website and engage with your audience. And I don't think they mean for marriage. You can sell your products on an online store, whether you sell physical or digital products or you offer services like massage or oh. nails. Oh my gosh. Or uh, consulting. Should we, after this, get Manny Petty? <laughs> Babe, I've already booked us in. <laughs> um, Squarespace has the tools you need to start selling online. You know, what about blogging tools, you yeah. might be asking? I like to blog. I love to blog. I like to blog. I like to vlog. Yes. Well, Squarespace has powerful blogging tools to share stories, photos, videos, and updates. You can categorize, you can share, and schedule to make your content work for you. Scheduling is the best. Oh. Yeah. It looks like Jess has just uploaded something, What it? but it's like 3 a.m. in Australia. Yeah. Yeah, but it's the exact time I wanted to do it in New York City, baby. Exactly. Capture that New York market. Yeah. You mentioned vlogging as well. If you're into vlogging, you can organise your video library, showcase your content on beautiful video pages, sell access to your videos with member areas. The possibilities are endless. Now head to squarespace.com slash do go on for a free trial and save 10% on your first purchase of a website or domain. Her Marilyn's contract with 20th Century was not renewed in August of 1947. It was a six-month contract. They renewed it once, and then the second time it came around for renewal, they're like, "Nah, we're good." So she she returned to mostly modelling work, um, but she was determined to make it. She's going to make it in Hollywood, and she continued at the Actors Lab. Um, this is one of my favourite sentences that I read here. She became a friend and occasional sex partner. Of Fox executive Joseph M. Schenk. I just like occasion, occasional sex Occasional sex I kind of like that. That's nice. Anyway. That's nice. I, I also love people who end up making it who get a big rejection like that. Yes, me too. And then go, I want this. Because I reckon a lot of people would never have even made it as far as she did. But after that being to. like... Yeah, all right. You're probably right. Maybe I, I don't have it. I had nine lines and shaboo shabow. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my career has clearly peaked. Yeah, I, I agree. I love hearing that. And, I mean, that I think that's what makes those people the successes that they are. Yeah. Same with, like, Disney getting rejected however many times for a loan and same with J.K. Rowling getting rejected by so many publishers and just keep going. Yes. Um, eventually, podcasting will pay off. Yeah. <laughs> We're podcasting to the top, baby. We're going to make it in Hollywood. Uh, So uh, she's a friend and occasional sex partner. Of Of Shank. Great name. Shank. Still good. Even better. I like it more. Occasionally shanked. And he persuaded his friend Harry Conn, the head executive of Columbia Pictures, to sign her, which he did, in March of 1948. So she's signed with someone else now. Um, She began working with the studio's head drama coach, Natasha uh, Lightess who would remain her mentor until 1955, so it's like seven years. Her only film at the studio was the low-budget musical Ladies of the Chorus, in which she had her first starring role as a chorus girl who's, uh, who was courted by a wealthy man. During the production, she began an affair with her vocal coach, Fred Carger, who paid for her to have her slight overbite corrected. Um, there's a few sort of instances throughout her life where, 
people just pay for her to have some sort of plastic surgery. Yeah, stuff. yeah. it's kind of a little bit weird. Um, despite the a starring role and a subsequent screen twist for the lead role in Born Yesterday, her contract was not renewed again. But the the film Ladies of the Chorus was released in October and was not successful. <laughs> Oh, right, because you said but there, and I was like, here we go. But things were looking up when the film bombed because <laughs> that, that meant she was even more rock bottom. Huh? And there's only one way up from there unless another film bombs. Yeah. Drilling into the ground. Yeah. Next film is called Drilling. <laughs> After she left Columbia in September of 1948, so again, it was only about six months, she became the protege of Johnny Hyde, who was the vice president of the William Morris Agency. And Hyde represented her uh, and their relationship soon became sexual, although she refused his proposals of marriage. How occasionally? I'd, <laughs> occasional. Well, I mean, he's proposing. Okay. Proposals is like... Proposals. Take, take a hint, bro. Okay, I'm thinking dozens. Yeah. yeah. Four like, times a day. Come on. I, it does feel like like that's how it used to be. Old school was like men wearing women down until marriage. Go on now. Marry me. I really don't want to thank you. Gan. Marry me. Come on. Gan. Double D, yeah. It'll be fun. Uh, Do it. Marry me. That's my approach. Just and then a guy sook. comes in and goes, you heard the lady. She said no. How about me? You want to marry me? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck off. All of you. Um, to advance Monroe's career, he paid for a silicon prosthesis to be implanted in her jaw. And also for a rhinoplasty, a nose job. I did not know that. And arranged a bit part in the Marx Brothers. So how she had chin a, and nose. How good is a chin job in the 40s? Chin job. Is, that's sexy. <laughs> hey, putting silicon just feels like, oh, Come I didn't on, re- just a chin job. I didn't realise yeah. that the actors were doing that back then. Yeah, I really, I hate the idea of old school medicine and oh, surgery anyway. Imagine, yeah, early. I, I I read, know, it's got to start somewhere. but ooh. I read something else that she had her hairline pushed back. And I don't understand how that works. Oh, I didn't know that yeah. was an option. I think like you start shaving at the, fr- at the oh, front. Yeah, I don't know. Or stretching the skin no, back. I'm really. I'm not sure how they would have done it. I I wanted to click on that link, and then I was like, I don't what an interesting know. thing to do as well. Hmm. We very few people would be after that. I'd say. <laughs> yeah, it's a really it's a real niche doctor. Yeah. So a few things are kind of happening for her, but her real breakthrough years began in 1950. Um, she appeared in six films that were released in that year. Bloody hell. Yeah. She had a minor appearance in John Huston's crime film, The Asphalt Jungle, Asphalt, um, in which she played. <laughs> I just didn't want to hear, you thought asphalt funny, we're in a different country. Um, Is that so Americans say asphalt? Asphalt. We do put an S in there, a H in there that doesn't really. Oh, there. there's not an H in there. Or we spell it differently. I don't know. This is just A-S-P-H-A-L-T. We, no, I think we've got an H in there. Okay. This is asphalt, jungle. Concrete jungle where dreams are made of. <laughs> there's nothing you can't do. Uh, but John Houston, he's a very famous director. There's a lot of very famous directors that come up in her lifetime. But she's starting to make it, right? Yeah. She won several Academy so, Awards. So in that movie she plays the young mistress of a criminal. And although she's only on screen for five minutes, she gained a lot of attention for her performance. Five minutes worth of attention? Well, she probably had more than nine lines, so that's good. Oh. Um, following her success in those roles, um, Hyde, who's uh, Johnny Hyde, who's representing her, negotiated a seven-year contract with 20th Century Fox in December of 1950, the people who had not right. renewed her contract two years right. earlier. Right. A big seven-year deal. Seven-year deal. That sounds big. 
1951, she had supporting roles in four low-budget films but started to gain a lot more visibility. So she's not like the leading lady yet, but everything that she is doing, people are like, whoa. That's it. Yeah, because I, I don't know if I've ever seen one of her movies. I just, for some reason, I always assumed she wasn't a very good actor, but you're sort of saying she was. I think, um, I think she's good. There's uh, conflicting kind of arguments. Some people are like, she can't act for shit. Others are like, she's really un- underappreciated. Right. I think she's quite good. Like, she really um, she really steals the screen. Like, you, you yeah. Yeah, it's, so people just have a presence. Yes. Yeah. That's what it sounds like. If you if you if people were talking about you from a five-minute spot, that's obviously pretty good. Yeah, exactly. And it's not just because she's good looking. It's yeah. It's the presence that she and, has. And back in these days, there's, it's, this is what they call like the studio system or something, right? So back then you'd sign to a studio and then you'd, you'd make movies exclusively for them. That's right. That's it, yeah, and that's it, very different now. Am I right? Yeah, and she's partly to do with that. Ah. Yeah. Um, so her popularity with audiences was also growing. She received several thousand letters of fan mail a week. Um, God damn. Imagine yeah. writing back to that, mm. <laughs> which I think she did. I struggle to keep up with our emails in <laughs> a timely manner. She'd be like Ringo in The Simpsons. <laughs> Still just working his way through. 30 years later. <laughs> It's cute that he would do it. In her private life, Monroe was now in a relationship with director Elia Kazan, who I mentioned in my report about Natalie Wood. Um, he's regarded as one of the most influential directors in Broadway and Hollywood history. Um, uh, so she became a top-billed actress in the second year of the Fox contract and gossip columnist. I mean, we don't have as many of those anymore either. Right, gossip, gossip, gossip columnists. columnists. Florabel, Florabel Muir. Come on. That's a great name. That's That's got Angela Bishop beat by quite a distance. Yeah, fuck off, Angela Bishop. Uh, she named her the It Girl of 1952. This is another one of my favourite things. And Hedda Hopper described her as the cheesecake queen turned box office smash. Cheesecake. What does that mean? Is just like a, a term for pin-up. Oh, cheesecake queen. Cheesecake cream. pictures <laughs> were like pin-ups. Inside cheesecake boxes they used to have. I don't know. I don't think it has anything to do with I mean, the cheesecake. But you also skipped over that lady's name. That was amazing. Hedda Hopper. Hedda Hopper. <laughs> That's a name? Hedda Hopper. Hedda Hopper's so good. I, my, and my name's Dave. And I'm not saying <laughs> Heather fuck? with a weird accent there. It's Hedda. <laughs> Hedda. Hedda. Which is, that's a German name. Hopper. It's also a, a soccer move. Is it a move? <laughs> it's also a sex move. <sighs> it's also a thing at the... Top of a document. Yeah. It's, the opposite, talk- it's the opposite of a footer. What a versatile name. You guys are talking about Hopper, right? Yeah. Hopper's the, the name move. of a big bin. And a big Dennis. It's also uh, <laughs> colloquial for <laughs> putting your finger in someone's butt. Doing a Hopper. Hopperwate. Hopperwate. I just got that. Who's a rugby, <laughs> a, rugby, yeah. a rugby player who did that? Yeah, okay. and got oh, busted. Was right. his was his tactic? That was that his was tactic to, to yeah, put the opposition tackles, off. He would he would f- um, finger the opposition butts. Just get a little thumb in there. Yeah, and he got in a lot of trouble for that. Yeah, but, but, but probably not it, enough trouble for that. Was very effective. Yeah, somewhat argued. It was a different time, wasn't it? Um, in February, she was named the best young box office personality by the Foreign Press Association of Hollywood and began a highly publicised romance with the retired New York Yankee Joe DiMaggio, who was one of the most famous sports personalities of the time. 
The following month, the scandal broke when she revealed in an interview that during 1949 she'd posed for nude pictures, which were featured in calendars. Now, 20th Century Fox had actually learned of the photograph some weeks earlier, and to contain the potential disastrous effect on her career, the studio and Monroe had decided to talk about them openly while stressing that she'd only posed for the photos because she was in a dire financial situation. The strategy succeeded in getting her public sympathy and increased interest in her films. And the following month, she was featured on the cover of Life as the Talk of Hollywood. Wow. How fucking good is that? It's yeah. It's 1950s PR work. Turning, yeah, good spin. Good spin. I, I would have been like, just don't say anything because you've got a new chin now. No one will know. Yeah. Different you. <laughs> Check new that out. That chin. chin is at least 1.5 inches. And she used different names in modelling as well. She would be like Jean something or... Yeah, she used a few different names. So she could have been like, not me. But I think that's amazing that it worked. And there's another time later as well where she definitely like, she really spins it. She's a bit of a spin queen. Wow. She didn't want to just be typecast though and she wanted to show her acting range. So in the summer of 1952, she appeared in two commercially successful dramas. The first was Fritz Lang's Clash by Night, for which she was loaned to RKO Studios and played a fish canary worker. So that's the thing where you were talking about before, like they she's supposed to only make movies for Fox, but they they released oh, her. But so they would have paid a, a fee Probably, yeah. to rent her, basically. And critics were really complimentary of her performance. The second film was the thriller Don't Bother to Knock, in which she starred as a <laughs> mentally disturbed babysitter, which was a good test of her abilities. But it got mixed reviews, but it was still like, you know, something a bit different. Don't Bother to Knock. What do you reckon that's about? She's a babysitter bit disturbed what's the story don't bother to knock because you're gonna get fucked up either way oh i was just thinking someone's on the loo you know and you do like a oh i'm in here yeah don't bother <laughs> occupied don't bother don't to... bother just go straight in okay that's what i took away from it and what do you see that being like a 90 minute feature yeah yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah that it's one scene it's just a conversation they have about like don't worry knocking I'm not. I'm not embarrassed in front of you. Just pee between my legs. Pee between my legs. Is it a one shot, one shot, ninety minute feature? Yeah, yeah well, you don't want to. Very gripping. <laughs> now that's Stanislavski. He, he does not miss. He just yeah, it's theater amazing. Of, it's theater of cruelty. It's what it's all about. <laughs> okay, um, the other three movies she featured in that year were Back to the Stereotypes. In We're Not Married, her starring role as a beauty pageant contestant was created solely to present Marilyn in two bathing suits, according to one of its writers. <laughs> Again, 90 minutes. <laughs> in Howard Hawke's Money Monkey Business, in which she featured oh. opposite Cary Grant, she played a secretary who is dumb, childish, blonde, innocently unaware of the havoc her sexiness causes around her. She accidentally wears two bathing suits <laughs> at the same time. Oops. It looks ridiculous. But sexy. But sexy ridiculous. I feel like I've heard of that one. Is that a biggish one? Monkey business. I think so, yeah. Well, obviously, yeah, her and Cary Grant's a pretty big combo. And in her final uh, film of the year, which is called like, Oh, Henry's Full House, she had a minor role as a sex worker. So she really, she wanted to do different things and push herself and show that she wasn't just blonde and pretty. Um, and she got her chance with a couple and then like, okay, back to being blonde and pretty. Right. Um, she gained a reputation for being difficult on film sets as well. The difficulties worsened as her career progressed. Uh, she was often late or didn't show up at all. She'd never remembered her lines. 
and would demand several retakes before she was satisfied with her performance. That sounds very annoying. Yeah. yeah. She also was very dependent on her acting coaches um, and that usually irritated directors. And her problems have been attributed to a combination of perfectionism, low self-esteem and, and stage fright. And also just like I think it sort of comes down to as well, like when she, it never happened when she was modelling because I think you can be a bit more spontaneous with that. But when somebody like you've got to do something the exact right way, it can be quite difficult. And then if you feel kind of vulnerable because you can't do it properly, of course you're going to then be scared anyway. Takes a good director. And obviously they just were no fucking good. Am I mm. right? Mm-hmm. 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 1953 saw her emerge as a major sex symbol and one of Hollywood's most bankable performers. Uh, and I was going to say bonkable, but I just I don't know. I thought you were going to say spankable. Oh. Both gross, to be honest. Yeah, I don't like either of them. Yep, but you put it out there. No, no, I was saying I decided not to. But you said it though, didn't you? No, no, that, that I was saying that 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 is something I was going I, I did to not say, say exactly bonkable. So I didn't. So really, should be awarded and applauded for yes. not saying it. Thank you. Appreciate that, Dave. Straight white man. When... How dare you? <laughs> when Niagara was released in January of 1953, women's clubs protested the film and said it was immoral. But the movie proved popular with audiences and grossed six million dollars at the box office. So she plays like a femme fatale. There's a few scenes where she's not even, she's just wearing like a sheet or there's just a towel covering her. Like she's, she's playing a ghost. She's playing a ghost. <laughs> Ooh, spooky. <laughs> <laughs> she's playing a ghost. Yeah, and mother's groups were not into that. They're not into it. Like, they do not like paranormal activity. Yeah. My kid is scared. Um, Niagara made Munro a sex symbol and it established her look. She'd worked with this makeup artist to really get her look right. Right. The towel look. The towel look. Just wearing a towel. That was a striking look. And it, like nobody else was doing it. No one else had access to that many towels. <laughs> she had dozens. So many towels. Right. Her... I wear a towel after the shower. That's. Oh my God, that... Munro! She influenced your life. Wow, is that where that came from? We're still still doing it. How very Monroe. Mm. Say Come that on. next. Do you tie it up around your yeah, chest? Yeah, right just too? above the nips. Yeah, but nothing down below. Nothing down below. So you, you got a small <laughs> floor I, I towel. I wear very small towels. <laughs> it goes from I... my nipples almost down to my hips. <laughs> almost. It's an hips. awful look. I don't know why I persist with it. I love it though. <laughs> Basically a, a bar mat. <laughs> Just wrapped around. Wrapped around. I've often wondered why your legs are so wet. Yeah, I never dry them. <laughs> why bother? Always dripping. When they're about to dry, jump back in the shower. Yeah. <laughs> I have eight showers a day. <laughs> it's exhausting. I just want dry legs. They're constantly all pruny. <laughs> yeah. If only there was something I could do about it. You got trench leg. But I'm very stubborn. <laughs> From being wet all the time. You got trench legs. <laughs> oh, fuck. Okay. Um, her second film. So Niagara made her a sex symbol and established her look wet. <laughs> wet and in a towel. <laughs> her second film of the year was the satirical musical, <laughs> musical comedy Gentlemen Prefer Blondes. And that established her screen persona as a dumb blonde. Uh, and her third movie of the year was called How to Marry a Millionaire. Ah, that's a couple of big ones. Sounds more like a doco for me. <laughs> the Dream. <laughs> you were, I watched that film and by the end I was like, 
That didn't teach me anything. I've learnt nothing. Where does one find a millionaire? <laughs> That's what the YouTube comments say. Um, I watched this whole fucking thing and didn't learn a thing. Um, it was just people yammering <laughs> like they were acting something out. And I'm still single. WTF, what want my fuck? money back. <laughs> Dislike. I subbed and then unsubbed within minutes. WTF, where's the fiancé? <laughs> All right, I like that comment because that was good. <laughs> that was very funny. Um, it featured Monroe in the role of a naive model who teams up with their friends to find rich husbands. Probably could have figured that one out. I mean, it just sounds like a hit. Monroe's position as a leading sex symbol was confirmed in December of 1953 when Hugh Hefner featured her on the cover and as centerfold in the first issue of Playboy. Apparently she had posed for that photo about five years earlier, been paid 50 bucks for it. He bought it for 500 Amazing. Still, yeah, jeez. Although she'd now become one of 20th Century Fox's biggest stars, her contract had not changed since 1950, meaning she was paid far less than other stars of her stature and could not choose her projects or co-workers. She was also tired of being typecast, and when she refused to begin shooting yet another musical comedy, a film version of The Girl in the Pink Tights, um, which was to co-star Frank Sinatra, so she refused. The studio suspended her on January 4th, 1954. Well, you don't want to work? Well, you're not going to work. How about that? How about that? How about that? So this is amazing. The suspension was front page news and Marilyn went into damage control mode to help counter any negative press and damage her reputation. Ten days after her suspension, she and Joe DiMaggio, whose relationship had, been, had received a lot of media attention in the two years prior, were married ten days later. So it's like, okay. All right, you want to put some bad press in there about me? Well, I'm going to have a famous wedding. So that went fucking nuts. Um, Then she went to Korea where she performed songs from her films as part of a USO show for over 60,000 US Marines over a four-day period. And after she returned to Hollywood in February, she was awarded Photoplay's Most Popular Female Star Prize. So funnily enough, she reached a settlement with the studio in March. This is literally three months later. They'd... She reaches a settlement with them, um, which includes a new contract to be made later in the year and a starring role in the film version of the Broadway play The Seven Year Itch, and she was going to receive a bonus of $100,000. Great. She's pretty damn good at that. She's a genius. That's amazing. Um, So in September of that year, she began filming The Seven Year Itch, in which she starred opposite Tom Yule as a woman who became the object of her married neighbour's sexual fantasies. Uh, The film was shot in Hollywood, but the studio decided to generate advanced publicity by staging the filming of a scene on Lexington Avenue in Manhattan. In the shoot, Monroe was standing on a subway grate with the air blowing up a skirt of her white dress, uh, which became one of the most famous scenes of her career. The shoot lasted several hours, attracted a crowd of nearly 2,000 people, and it placed her on international front pages, and it also marked the end of her marriage to DiMaggio, who was furious about the publicity stunt. Wait, what? Mm. He hated hot air. He was like, you know I hate hot air. And that hot air is coming up from the sewer. Am I right to think that? Yeah. It's he just was, stink he was, air coming he was a, up. He's a very clean man. Stink yeah. air. Is that what it is? Is that what you call farts? No, I don't call them anything. I don't... I don't, <laughs> I don't acknowledge their existence. I don't acknowledge them and I, don't, and I won't acknowledge them. They don't Acknowledge exist. what? It's a myth. Acknowledge what? It's a myth. It What's a, a myth? Now you get it. (laughs) (laughs) Now you're getting it. Um, So she returned to Hollywood and she hired high-profile attorney Jerry Geisler. Hey, it's me, your your attorney, 
Jerry Geisler. That's pretty good. Nailed it. <laughs> she announced Just a little uh, pat on the back there. <laughs> and she announced that she was filing for divorce from Joe after only nine months of marriage. Oh no. Well, that's all there. Yeah, that's the publicity. Mm. Did its job. Because he was like, I'm mad about the stunt. So she's like, all right, fine, you're mad. I'm, I'm going to divorce you yeah. on my terms. She's a fucking genius. Mad about the stunt. It sounds like a real piece of work. Mm. The seven-year itch was released the following June and it grossed over $4.5 million at the box office, making it one of the biggest commercial successes that year. And after filming Wrapped, she began a new battle for control over her career and left Hollywood for the East Coast where she and her a photographer friend, Milton Green, founded their own production company, Marilyn Monroe Productions. Announcing its foundation in a press conference in January 1955, Monroe stated that she was tired of the same old sex roles. I want to do better. People have scope, you know? Yeah, I'm getting pretty sick of sex roles as well. <laughs> yeah, me too, man. I've got scope. Yeah. I'm sick of you guys sending me your sex tapes. <laughs> that Nobody wants to see that. You you didn't send but, your. You said you'd send yours if I sent mine. That did that happen? I've been drinking a lot lately. <laughs> yeah. You've been drinking a lot your whole life. <laughs> Our whole lives, anyway. I've, I've I've really stopped drinking very much at all. Just by the by. What is that? What is what's very much to you though? Because I, I know I've like... really I've dropped I. You've I've, dropped the ball. It's an unhealthy lifestyle. Mm-hmm. New me. Green tea, as I always say. When was your last green tea? Well, I can't remember that, but I, you know, I I love the idea. When was your your last beer? Um, spirit, I cannot remember. Last week. Okay. I mean, if you can't remember, mate, can't. Trying to think. I can't remember. I was real drunk last night, and I've. (laughs) No, I haven't. uh, I I don't think I've. Yeah, last week, sometime maybe. So she's no longer under contract to Fox because the studio had not fulfilled its duty, such as paying her the promised bonus for the seven-year itch. Huh. And this began this long, year-long battle between her and the studio, uh, and she dedicated 1955 to studying her craft. She's like, I'm just going to study the, my craft. That's great. What? How do, how do they justify not paying her the bonus? I have no idea. Sounds... There's $100,000 gone missing. Mm. Seems, that seems really weird. She moved to Manhattan and she was taking acting classes and attended workshops on method acting at the actor's studio, which was run by Lee Strasberg, as we mentioned. The um, jeans guy. The, the jeans guy. He's very busy. She grew really close to Strasberg and his wife, Paula. Uh, receiving Paula, another one of those names. Paula. Receiving private lessons at their home due to her shyness and soon became a family member. Of course, um, she, she, no, they she, adopted her. They, they just like a family member. You know? Blood brothers. Yeah. They cut their hands and then shook hands. Hmm. It was a like weird all thing families to do. do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the Strasbergs remained an important influence for the rest of her career. She also started undergoing psychoanalysis at the recommendation of Lee Strasberg, who believed that an actor must confront their emotional traumas and use them in their performances. Hmm. That sounds dangerous. Yeah. I like to imagine her, like, strapped to a bunch of wires and stuff, but it's probably not it. In her private life, Munro continued her relationship with DiMaggio despite the ongoing divorce proceedings. Occasionally. She, she also dated actor Marlon Brando and playwright Arthur Miller. Bloody hell. 
The affair between Monroe and Miller became increasingly serious after October of 1955 when her divorce from DiMaggio was finalised and Miller separated from his wife. Now, Miller was being investigated by the FBI for allegations of communism and the FBI opened a file on her as well due to their relationship. The studio feared that Monroe would be blacklisted and urged her to end the affair, but she refused, later later calling the studio heads born cowards, which I think is like 50s version of pussies. (laughs) Born cowards. You were, even as a baby, you were a coward. Yeah, you were fucking born weak, <laughs> you coward. You talking about me again? Yes. No. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> That's that, Matt. Like, she was hanging out with, well, I mean, she's one of the biggest stars of all time, so it makes sense, but she was hanging out with A-listers everywhere. Heavy hitters, yeah. She wasn't just hanging out with them, Matt. She was hanging in with them. <laughs> hanging there. By the end of the year, Monroe and Fox had come to an agreement about a new seven-year contract. What? Why? Why would you bother? Yeah, they keep coming back. Fuck off! But they didn't pay her the bonus. I'm going. Yeah, no, I will give you a double bonus next time. Well, it, okay. it, was, it was clear that Marilyn Monroe Productions wouldn't be able to finance films alone and the studio was eager to have her working again, so the contract required her to make four movies for Fox during seven years. I think that's fairly reasonable. And the studio would pay her $100,000 for each movie and granted her the right to choose her own projects, directors and cinematographers. And she would also be free to make one film with Marilyn Monroe Productions per each completed film for Fox. So she has oh, a Fox film, she can do her own. That's a good deal. Yeah. Yeah, but you forgot that the last deal they, they didn't, didn't go through with. Yeah, that's, that's the issue. But they keep going to her like, no. And they go, no, we want you. I'm sorry. Ugh. This is a fun little fact. In March of that year, she officially changed her name to Marilyn Monroe, having used it as a stage name for a decade. Right. But she actually changed her name to that. Oh. Mm. Isn't that fun? Yes. Yes. Monroe and Miller were married in a civil ceremony at the Westchester County Court in White Plains, New York, on June 29, and two days later had a Jewish ceremony at his agent's house. (laughs) Also in New York. Romantic. With the marriage, Monroe converted to Judaism, which led Egypt to ban all of her films. Huh. Well, that is a, that's, that's a fun fact. That is, yeah, that's... I didn't know that. Mm. I feel like huh. I've said huh more than normal. Huh. 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 Um, is that right? The media saw the union as, uh, as mismatched, given her star image as a sex symbol and his position as an intellectual, as demonstrated by Variety's headline... Egghead weds hourglass. <laughs> You're lying. No. <laughs> that is fucked. Egg and hourglass are both kinds of timers. Wow. And their love is going to survive all time. <gasps> wow, that's beautiful. I feel like we dumbed down the knees now, but that is an amazing headline. That's so good, isn't it? But also just like... Egghead weds hourglass. But like also, I'd click on that. I'd be like, what the fuck? That's just all they are. Like he's just smart and she's just a body. She's yeah, just... like egghead as well. Like you'd assume that's Albert Einstein or something. Yeah. Mm. Playwright weds actress. No, no, no. No, no, no. That's that is exactly sell. how the conversation would have gone. Yeah. And the girl would have been like, come on, don't make us a joke, please. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to, I mean, I don't even want to tell the story, but we've got a report on some. Please don't make it silly. No, 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 no. How about Egghead Weds Hourglass? And everybody else just stands up and goes, <laughs> Oh, sir, you've done it again. God, he's if good. you could have got a triple rhyme, that would have been the only thing that would have improved it. Egghead Weds 
Ed, Egghead, Wed, Drop Dead. Fred. Fred. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to have to change a few things in the story. Who cares? It'll sell papers. We're going to change our name to Fred somehow. Um, okay, so the first film that Munro chose to make under this new contract was Bus Stop. Sometimes I like, I think if you hear, especially old movie titles, sometimes they just sound stupid. Yeah, nearly everyone you've said. Yeah, that's why I've enjoyed them. Bus Stop. Then again, I'm sure modern ones sound stupid. We just have more context for them so we don't think about it. Like Speed. Oh, yes. Mm. Deadpool. Deadpool. I like, like even your, in, in 70 <laughs> years you'd be like, what is that? Like your uh, your modern references <laughs> from 20 years old. <laughs> All right, mate. <laughs> but a great film and I'm glad you brought it's it up. It's a good film. It's I so like good. it. It's so Does it hold up? Your man uh, Hopper's in that one, I think. Mm. And Keanu. <gasps> and Sandra. Keanu Reeves is in that. What does he play? And Sandy. But- Oh, she's so oh. good in it. She's very good in it. I thought you meant the character from Greece for a second. Yeah, <laughs> Sandy from Greece is in it. Yeah. Anyway, so Marilyn plays uh, Cherie, who's a, sal- a saloon singer whose dreams of stardom are complicated by a naive cowboy who falls in love with her. Oh, at a bus stop? I'm watching. <laughs> I'm watching here. <laughs> she purposefully uh, chose costumes and makeup that lacked the glamour of her earlier films and she provided deliberately mediocre singing and dancing for the role. That's how you get them. That's how you get them. And there was a Broadway director named Joshua Logan who agreed to direct despite initially doubting her acting ability and knowing of her reputation for being quite difficult. <laughs> and then first day she said, I'm going to act shit on purpose and in this. He's like, oh. So you're going to act worse than I think you already do? <laughs> oh, my God. That, to me, that feels like someone rewriting history. Yeah. The movie comes out. It's a bomb. Not too good. Yeah. yeah deliberately. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a genius. Yeah. I know Strasbourg. I did that on purpose. Duh. Duh. Did you not get it? Oh, Ep- you just, oh, oh that's cute. You don't you do the levels. It. Okay. Oh, that's adorable. Bless. <laughs> okay, bye. Um, so, yeah, the, the director's already like, Ugh. but he actually kind of came to um, adapt to her being late for things. Um, the experience changed his opinion of Munro, and he later compared her to Charlie Chaplin in her ability to blend comedy and tragedy. Oh. Said she was really great. Bus Stop became a box office success, grossing $4.25 million, and she received a Golden Globe for Best Actress nomination. Oh. Oh. <laughs> I didn't really, yeah. Again, you, the inflection is, but she lost. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> oh, oh. Because oh, oh. if you just had a Golden Globe nomination, I would have been like, Great. I know, sorry. And she got a Golden Globe <laughs> nomination. <laughs> it was weird that it had Golden Globe for Best Actress nomination. <laughs> it's weird that it had that. You mean the thing you wrote? Yeah, yeah the sentence I wrote was written poorly. <laughs> it's weird that it said that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> These are why my reports are the third best. In August of 1956, Monroe began filming uh, Marilyn Monroe's production's first independent production, The Prince and the Showgirl. <laughs> oh, I'm in. Laurence Olivier had played the main role in the play the film was based on and reprised, reprised his role and also directed and co-produced the film. Okay, well, there you go. That's, that sounds like it would actually be good then. Yeah, there Larry. were conflicts between him and Monroe. Oh. He angered her with the patronising statement, all you have to do is be sexy. 
and was annoyed by the constant presence of her acting coach on set. So in retaliation to what she considered was quite condescending behaviour, Munro started arriving late and became uncooperative, stating later that if you don't respect your artists, they can't work well. So, I like that. I like how she did this new this new thing. Mm. I'll show you. I'm going to do this thing that I've always done and start coming late. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This that'll, thing I'm famous for doing all the time anyway. That'll show you. But this you. Is, is payback. And also, I'm the film's executive producer. It's like, are, are you not in charge of this product? It's your film. Yeah. And she's right. like, no, I'm not going to work with you. Yeah. Um. So the, that film was... Uh, it was filmed in England. So once she returned to the US, she took an 18-month hiatus from working and she concentrated on her married life. Uh, her married life? Her married. Oh. Mar- married life. Oh, um, oh. That's not as fun. During the- What do you see a married life? Well, being? I thought you just re- mis- mispronounced the word merry. Oh. Merry Concentrated life. on her merry life. <laughs> her merry life. <laughs> For 18 months, everything was great. It actually was really bad. I just skipped over some bad stuff that happened then. Um, okay, what happened? Just personal stuff. Oh, thank God. To me. <laughs> yeah. Personal to me. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It was a tough 18 months for you? She uh, she had some health issues. Anyway. Is there a reason why we're dancing around them? No, just Matt will get sad again. Well, don't protect me. There's there's more people listening to this okay. than just me. Well, while yeah, she's on her hiatus, she became pregnant in mid-1957, but it was an ectopic pregnancy and had to be terminated, and she suffered a miscarriage a year later as well. Because right. I, I have often wondered, did she ever have want to have children? No, she had What Do you know what ectomic means? It, ectopic means uh, the, the egg, egg is uh, it's fertilised in the fallopian tube. So it can't come out. So it, can't, it just, yep. Yeah. Ah, fuck. Yeah, it's not good. I did not know any of that. Mm. I was not expecting to come here today mm. and learn about ovary tubes. And it's just... it. Which, That's not right, is it? Which upsets me a little bit too because, I mean, we've been doing this podcast for two and a half years and I've known you for at least a year before that and you've never asked me about my ovaries. Yeah. Just never came up. Whereas I ask every day. He does. He messages me every morning at 9.05 and says, how are your ovaries today? Don't you, Dave? Where are your eggs at? And you always say, <laughs> tubular. <laughs> Tubular. Where your eggs at? Where my eggs at? It's really nice. It's just nice that he checks in. Every morning. Every morning, 9.05. Where my eggs at? <laughs> not where my eggs yeah, at. Yeah, I'm not claiming them. Okay. <laughs> where your eggs at? Where your eggs at? Where your eggs at? at where, where your, your eggs at? <laughs> where your eggs at? Gross. Okay. Also during this hiatus, she dismissed uh, Milton Green from... Uh, her production company, and bought his share of the company as they could not settle their disagreements and she'd begun to suspect that he was embezzling money from the company. Um, Munro returned to Hollywood in July of 1958 to act opposite Jack Lemmon and Tony Curtis in in Billy Wilder's comedy on gender roles, Some Like It Hot. That's a good movie. That is a good one. It's a great movie. One. Right. There, one of the few I've seen of it. That's interesting how many of these uh, titles I've heard of. Yeah, Jack Lemmon and Tony Curtis. They sound iconic. But yeah. I don't know if they are necessarily. It's Something Like It Hot is, is one that I've heard a lot about. Yeah, I watched Couldn't it. tell you anything about it. Heard a lot about it. And she's really good in it. Um, although she can, she considered the role, the character's name is Sugarcane. Huh. She considered it another dumb blonde role, but she accepted it because um, – uh, her husband was encouraging 
and the offer of receiving 10% of the film's profit in addition to her standard pay. Who's her husband now? Arthur, Arthur Miller. Miller. Oh, that's right. The egghead. Is it only her third husband? Yeah, yeah. So there's the first yeah, guy, right, yep. Dredd Maggio, Arthur Miller. Arthur Miller. Uh, her, her difficult behaviour on, on set of this film is now infamous. She would demand... Dozens of retakes, couldn't remember her lines or actors directed. I don't really get this. This is open to your interpretation. Tony Curtis famously stated that kissing her was like kissing Hitler due to the number of retakes. Just because maybe he hated her? Due to the number. And Hitler was famous for. Like kissing Hitler. Taking a lot of. Kisses. I think it might just be like, by the end of it, it was like, yuck. I I was thinking it was going to be itchy top lip. Yeah, maybe that's what he was going for. Right in the middle. Saw a guy last week in Sydney running a shop in a market with a Hitler moustache. Really? Could have been Hitler. He looked about the right age. Real old. (laughs) Maybe he's just a big Charlie Chaplin fan and no one's ever had the guts to tell him, hey, someone else had it since and it kind of killed this look. Yeah, you can't have this look anymore. Sorry. Maybe... He'd had a shaving accident. Yes, even on each side. Yeah. Who knows? Fell into a razor. Two razors. Honestly, we'll never know. <laughs> I mean, we could ask him. No, we'll never know. <laughs> okay. Um, Monroe made Billy Wilder angry by asking him to alter many of her scenes, which in turn made her stage fright worse, and it is suggested that she deliberately ruined several scenes so that she could then act them her way anyway. But in the end... Billy Wilder was happy with her performance and stated, anyone can remember lines, but it takes a real artist to come on the set and not know her lines and yet give the performance she did. Yeah, anyone can remember their lines. doesn't sound like she can. No, she can't. (laughs) She can't at all. It feels like a weird... It could have been sarcastic and people have said, what a lovely thing for him to say. It is the... It it feels sarcastic. It is a stressful thing about acting. Is remembering lines. lines. But I would say it's one of the key things. Yeah. And if it's it's like it's your whole job, Mm. it feels like you'd have nothing but time to learn them. I'm all right at learning lines. You've said that about me before. Yeah, you're very good at learning lines. I just, I feel like often when I'm doing it, there's not, it's a very short turnaround between getting the script and doing it. 100%. Yes. Mm, But But when you've you've, you've got it for a few days or something, you should probably. You should be able to. I imagine that she would have had it for weeks beforehand. Wow. (laughs) Imagine that kind of luxury. I can remember anything. Remember that my one of my famous roles uh, when I called Ronnie Chang uh, fuck knuckle. No, fuck nut. See, I still can't. That's all can't you have to it. say. Yeah, what were you playing, a barista or something? Uh, yeah. There's, That's your look, isn't it? I'm playing a farmer this week. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> I, can, I got range. Wow. Uh, what are you farming? What kind of? Uh, like it, uh, at a... At a um, cow breeding farm, so I'm doing like, I, I stick the the jizz into cows. Right. Do you have to do that for the role? No, there's a there's a someone standing in. Well, you've got a stunt arm. Yep. That fists a cow. I've said too much. <laughs> <laughs> I'm afraid this is under embargo. Probably is. To be honest, I don't know if I should have said that. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Nobody listens. Um, <laughs> despite the difficulties of its production, "Some Like It Hot" became a critical and commercial success when it was released in March of 1959, and Munro's performance earned her a golden Golden Globe for Best Actress. Pause. No, that's it. She won one. End of sentence. She won. A- Wait, tell. what? She won a Golden Globe for Best Actress. I didn't know that. That's great. It could have been another nomination. I don't know. <laughs> could be how it's written. I don't know. It's its fault. Who's it? 
I don't know. She was an it girl. Okay. Do you think it's somehow Marilyn Monroe from Beyond the Grave? <laughs> she also was a ghost. That haunts Google Docs. It all is coming around. I'm uh, I'm close. I'm getting close to the end here. Sorry, I know I've been rambling for a bit. Um, Truman Capote lobbied for her to play Holly Go Lightly in a film adaptation of Breakfast at Tiffany's, but the role went to Audrey, he- Audrey Hepburn, as its producers feared that Munro would complicate the production because she was known for being quite difficult. Right. The last film that she... Uh, Audrey com- did an okay job, right? Ah, oh, lovely. Wrong film. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Breakfast at Tiffany's is, is great. Yeah. And again, Hepburn's another one. It's just like she's very captivating. Yes, but it was the other Hepburn that won all the awards. Won the EGOT, right? Catherine. No, Audrey Hepburn's won an EGOT, but Catherine Hepburn has won four Academy Awards for Best Actress, and no one else has ever done that. But no right. relation. No relation. Different. Born all, in different countries. That's still fucking. Audrey crazy. won an EGOT. Yeah, she's got an EGOT. Oh, no shit. If you if you haven't listened, one of our earliest episodes, Dave did about Academy Awards, and he talked about all that stuff. And obviously, I've retained all that info. Yeah, all of it. Um, the last film that she completed was John Huston's The Misfits, which Miller had written to provide her with a dramatic role. He wrote it for her. But the four-year marriage of Munro and Miller was effectively over and he began a new relationship with their set photographer. <laughs> so that's good. Um, that, she- sounds, that was the first marriage that she actually seemed to be for love, right? Yeah, true. One of them was for publicity. The other one was to not go to an orphanage. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah, and with Miller, people told her not to and she was like, fuck off, I'm going to. And the third one was with an egghead, so, <laughs> I mean. <laughs> well, when will the hourglass learn? <laughs> We're all wondering. <laughs> As the saying goes, she disliked that Miller had based her role partly on her life and thought it inferior to the male roles. And she also struggled with Miller's habit of rewriting scenes the night before filming. Yes. Oh, because she'd been learning the script all day. <laughs> exactly. Her health was also failing. She was in uh, pain from gallstones, and her drug addiction was so severe that her makeup usually had to be applied while she was still asleep. Right, so she's addicted to drugs. How long has she been on? You, yeah, on... you never mentioned that. <laughs> yeah, really mentioned so skipped that. over the drug addiction. <laughs> <laughs> she would. Um, she was drinking a bit and also using um, barbiturates. Barbiturates. Bar- barbiturates. What do they mean? What does that mean again? I think they're just like a, like a depressant, like um. Uh. Yeah. It's a great word. So she's picture. under the influence of that and she's sleeping and people are doing her makeup. Which, fuck, if someone could do my makeup and I could have another 10 minutes sleep. Ugh. I think you'd have kidding? to be heavily medicated to I not wake up. I don't during... take 10 minutes to do I don't wear much. It'd be makeup. a weird way to wake up. It'll be a waste of time. I'll just get up and do it myself. Forget it. Um, in August, filming was halted due to her spending a week detoxing in an L.A. hospital. And despite her problems, Houston stated that when Munro was playing Rosalind, she was not pretending to an emotion. It was the real thing. She would go deep down within herself and find it and bring it up into consciousness. Uh, method acting. Uh, Sounds like it's meth acting. Yeah. <laughs> meth Sound habituates are involved. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Probably because they're in her system. Yeah. <laughs> barbituates. Okay, Google, what's a barbituate? search the web for you. No, well, yeah, I know you can. You Google. <laughs> what kind of a brag is that? I can search the web for you. Yeah. I know you're literally that's your purpose. I even come with email now. <laughs> now you're both looking it up, aren't you? Is heroin one? I think it is. Why is energy there? It's it's barbiturates. Barbiturates. Oh, barbiturates. Yeah, I didn't know that. All right. 
bear of barbiturates. Yeah, it depresses the central nervous system. Barbiturates. Uh, it's often to put you to sleep. Yeah. Yeah. I think they're very addictive. So Monroe and Miller separated after filming wrapped up and she was granted a quick divorce in Mexico in January 1961. Uh, she next filmed a scene for Something's Gotta Give in which she swam naked in a swimming pool. To generate advanced publicity, the press was invited to take photographs of the scene, which were later published in Life magazine. Um, this was the first time that a major star had posed nude while at the height of their career because most of them would do it before, I'm guessing. Or when, after. What, yeah. Try and... They say you get uh, nude photos twice in your career, once on the way up and once on the way down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, when she was again on sick leave for several days. I was talking about days, bonus there. <laughs> <laughs> she was on sick leave again for several days. Fox decided that they couldn't afford to have another film running schedule behind running behind schedule. <laughs> <laughs> that was a real sweet poetic way of saying that. <laughs> running schedule behind. Um, it was already struggling to cover the costs of um, their film Cleopatra. So on the 7th of June, they fired Monroe and sued her for $750,000 in damages. Oh, that's a lot. After the director refused to make the film with anyone else because they were looking for a replacement, Fox sued him as well and shut down the production, so the movie didn't go ahead. The studio blamed Monroe for the film's demise and began spreading negative publicity about her, even alleging that she was mentally disturbed. Fox soon regretted its decision and reopened negotiations with Monroe later in June. They keep... Crawling back. That's what I mean. It's so strange. And a settlement about a new contract, including recommencing something's got to give. What was her tactic? Did she marry someone? She didn't have to do anything this time. Huh. So they were going to redo something's got to give and she was going to get a starring role in What a Way to Go, 1964. <laughs> uh, what a way to go. Do you reckon they come with the title name. first? <laughs> they must. Um, to repair her public image, Monroe engaged in several publicity ventures, including interviews for Life and Cosmo, and she did her first photo shoot for Vogue. So she's like repairing her, her good girl image. Um, she famously lived at... You don't sound like a good girl. No, <laughs> I'm fucking up your bit. That's, that's a joke of mine. Um, which has very little context <laughs> for our podcast listeners. None, in fact. <laughs> Sorry. That joke not being documented anywhere huh. unless they've seen me perform live. Well, I reckon they have. 95% of them. 95%, yeah, sure. Yeah, you're right. The other five, what are you doing? Mm. Grow up. <laughs> Get out there. Support live comedy. All right, we're towards the end, which you probably know what that means. Munro famously lived at 12305 5th Helena Drive in Brentwood. Which was a neighbourhood of Los Angeles. Famously, I could I could have recited that address. Obviously, yeah. it's the most famous address in the world. One, two, three, four, five. Brentwood. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yep, you know it. Her housekeeper, Eunice Murray. Eunice. Eunice was staying overnight at the home. Why? Um, on the evening of August 5th, 1962, and Murray woke at 3 a.m. on August 6th and sensed that something was wrong. Mm. What time did you wake up? 3 a.m. Okay. Although she saw light from under Munro's bedroom door, she was unable to get a response and found the door locked. Murray then called Munro's psychiatrist, Dr. Ralph Greenson, who arrived at the house shortly after and broke into the bedroom where he found Munro unresponsive in her bed. She was pronounced dead by her physician, Dr. Hyman Engelberg. That is a beautiful name. I'd trust a man with that name. Hmm. Trust him to pronounce me dead. Yeah. 
Dr. Hyman Engelberg. Oh, my goodness. Mm. Sounds like a Hollywood superstar. Is that a stage name? <laughs> There's an even better job title that's coming up in a moment. Who arrived at the ha- He arrived at the house at 3.50 a.m. Uh, and he had pronounced her dead. At 4.25, they notified the LAPD. Coincidentally, here's a, a weird fun fact, weird time for a fun fact. Munro's first husband, James Doherty, was a detective with the LAPD at the time of Munro's death, and he was notified of her demise before the press was contacted. But through, he was a through, cop now. through his work, or I think through his, because, they obviously would have known that oh, the connection. So like ex- James, yeah. <sighs> so empty medicine bottles were found next to her bed, and the possibility that Munro had accidentally overdosed was ruled out because the dosage found in her body was several times over the lethal limit. So it's like you couldn't have accidentally taken that right. much. Her doctor stated that she'd been prone to severe fears and frequent depressions with abrupt and unpredictable mood changes and had overdosed several times in the past, possibly intentionally. Here we go. Due to these facts and the lack of any indication of foul play, coroner to the stars, (laughs) Thomas Noguchi, (laughs) classified her death as probable suicide. Coroner to the stars. If someone dies, he's on it. I've met everyone famous that went once they're dead. Coroner, to, Coroner the to the stars. Self, self. I have no idea. How fucked is that? Yeah, coronertothestars.org. Now, she was a real weird one. She was an international star, obviously, and her sudden death. It was front page news and all over the, the country and, um, yeah, all, all over the world. It was, it was huge. And there are, as I mentioned at the start, uh, quite a few conspiracy theories. Something like six. From this uh, one article, yes. Approximately six and theories. I want to point out that the source that I'm using for this particular part of my report is cosmopolitan.com. Great. Right. Not coroner to the stars.org. Not coroner to the stars.org. Okay. So obviously this is trustworthy. Um, number one. It's a count up. Do you want me to start at six? Of course. No, I want to start at number one. Number Just call it number six. Number six. <laughs> the CIA did it. Okay. Because, Why? What do you reckon it means? they knew about her affair with Robert Kennedy. Oh, Robert Kennedy. And saw oh. her death as a blow to the Kennedy family. And okay. this... Wait, uh, what? So she wasn't having an affair with JFK. Oh. It was Bobby Kennedy. Bob, and they wanted... So both, the FBI both. or CIA wanted to harm the Kennedys? It wasn't a cover-it-up. They saw it as a blow to the Kennedy family. Yeah. No, no, you're saying that the relationship oh, was a blight. no, 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 Dave. I'm not saying anything. <laughs> Cosmo is saying. I'll re- okay, political tensions were in an extreme. One theory says that Munro's death was ordered by the CIA to, CIA to get revenge on the Kennedys for the failed Bay of Pigs invasion of Cuba. But why Monroe? As Matthew Smith notes in his 2003 book Victim, The Secret Tapes of Marilyn Monroe, based on tapes the actress made with her psychiatrist weeks before her death, the CIA likely knew about Monroe's affair with Robert Kennedy and saw her death as a blow to the Kennedy family. That is a long bow. Wow. I always thought that people... So are you going to talk about JFK at all? Mm. You will talk about him? Mm. Okay. Isn't that funny that they, they people are saying this was obviously the CIA getting at the Kennedys because it's likely they knew that Bobby Kennedy probably had a relationship with her. So obviously 
Yeah, yeah, that Surely is. Surely they'd kill Bob Kennedy. It make none of these make sense. Oh, good. Number well, five, and, he, and his brother's the president. Number five, Robert F. Kennedy did it. One of the first conspiracy theories to emerge after Monroe's death was that Robert F. Kennedy had killed her in fear she would expose their rumoured affair and put his political career and image in danger. Oh. Hmm. I buy that. It, yeah. You think that's more than the CIA getting at Well, that's why him. it's number five. They're getting more likely as Jess counts them down. Number four, <laughs> RFK did it, but it was an accident. <laughs> RFK. I love that. I've never heard him as RFK. RFK. I, so, so it was an accident. He did it. It was an accident. accident. How do you kill her by accident with drugs? Uh, they claimed that RFK and his brother-in-law Peter Lawford encouraged Munro's drug and alcohol use after she threatened to make her affair with RFK public. She's like, "I'm going to tell everyone." And they're like, "Have some drugs." Let's just calm down with a lot of hardcore drugs. Yeah, there you go. So it was one more can't hurt. <laughs> yeah, accidental overdose. There. Have another Barbie. Throw it down. Yeah. Very okay. strange. Uh, number three. Yeah. Her doctor did it, but it was an accident. Oh, okay. <laughs> in yet another book about Munro, Donald Spotto suggested in 1993 that Munro suffered an accidental overdose after lying to her doctors about her medication. So all the, these ones where they've someone else has done it right, think about this. Okay. She was in there by herself and the door was locked. Yeah. They jumped out the window. Jumped out the window. Very good. Mm. <laughs> Matt, mole people. <gasps> they burrowed through the floor? Yeah, and then burrowed back out through the floor. <laughs> Number two. <laughs> Very inefficient. <laughs> Marilyn knew too much about UFOs and was murdered. Oh, okay. I'm in. I'm in. Mm-hmm. Okay, tell me more. <clears throat> How did Marilyn get this information about UFOs? Well, she was having a rumoured affair with President John F. Kennedy around the time of her death. Right, so she's banging both bros. Banging both bros. And they and there's a 2017 documentary, Unacknowledged, and it suggests Munro had plans to leak top secret details about Roswell, among other things, in an effort to stop the leak. And her rumored affair with both Kennedy brothers, the CIA, ordered her to have to have her killed. I wonder if uh, the local policeman from the Roswell case has anything to say about that. <laughs> hmm, I wonder. Well, let me just tell you. Let, <laughs> let me just tell you. It's been a long time since I've been on this goddamn show. And it's good to be back. I'll tell you that. Uh, the Kennedys, I've uh, heard of them. Obviously worked under them during the during NAM. Before NAM, not in... Anyway, I'm going to talk about Marilyn Monroe. Seven-year itch. I got with one of those with my wife about, uh, about, about seven months in. It was seven-month itch. I've got to get out of there, I said to myself. But she said to me, oh, you can't leave. And I said, no, I can't leave. can't leave. Never going to leave. And then, uh, anyway, Marilyn, we've got to talk about Marilyn. What do you want to know? Okay, uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure, uh, pretty sure the president did it. Gotta, oh, I've said too much. Got to go. God bless you. God bless you. Thanks for stopping. Thanks for stopping. Bye. Let me just tell you. <laughs> oh, Sheriff Goldworth. Oh, well, what is Dave, you just missed him. Just blacked out again. <laughs> Had a long day. All right, so that's number five is that she knew too much about UFOs. <laughs> she was killed. And number one, they, uh, Cosmo was split it into two. Ooh. One, one A and one B. Not, not just making it a list of seven. <laughs> you were the top seven. That would have been ridiculous. <laughs> But we already said six. Um, the it's mar- like when someone's, you know, you're writing a card. <laughs> and you're, 
We started with six. We can't go back now. I've written happy mothers. Yeah, yeah I do that a lot. <laughs> Fuck. Okay, so the mafia did it. <laughs> a a pri- PI, a private detective, Milo Speriglio, made an accusation that Munro had been murdered by Labor Union leader Jimmy Hoffa and Chicago mob boss Sam Giancana, so the Kennedy family would leave the mafia alone. It's all about the Kennedys, really. Hmm. But, uh, yeah, so the mafia did it, or the mafia did it based on orders from the Kennedys. It was either to get back at the Kennedys or because the Kennedys told them, but something about the mafia is in it. So, uh, okay, let me just, first one. Yeah. The Kennedys pissing off the mafia, so they take out... Marilyn Monroe. Marilyn Monroe. Okay. They all seem to think it either... Yeah, it's Marilyn Monroe being killed is really going to hurt the Kennedys. Yeah. Because of a secret affair. Or the Kennedys did it. Quite the opposite. Yeah. Because of the secret affair. Yeah. So based on the orders of the Kennedys, so a biographer called Darwin Porter had a book called Marilyn at Rainbow's End. Uh, and he suggested that she was murdered by the same person, Sam Giancana, who received orders from one of the Kennedy brothers to silence the actress and anything she was going to say about her affair. Uh, and he claims that five mafia hitmen entered Munro's home and administered a chloroform-soaked washcloth on her face, injected her with drugs, and moved her to her bedroom to make the scene look like a suicide. Guys, this is from Cosmo. Right. Right. Oh. Now, and... Is she was she definitely having an affair with the Kennedy brothers? Is that a thing? I don't know. Uh, what about this happy birthday, Mr. President? Do you know anything about that story? Um, it happened. Yeah, there's, is is that? Am I imagining that I've seen footage of that, or I've just seen a reenactment of it? You've just seen Mr. Burns pop out <laughs> of a cake and sing "Happy Birthday, Mr. Smithers." That's probably what you're thinking of. Is that part? Yeah, but, but I think no, she definitely did sing yeah, "Happy Birthday, say, Mr. President." But was she having an affair with him? Did you come across any of that? Um, it's it, I th- well, I, as it says there, I think it's rumored. I'm not. I I can't say a hundred percent for sure if that's a definite. It actually didn't really say much. What about what aliens? Can you say that hundred percent? Oh yes, hundred percent. The aliens killed her because she knew too much. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the only thing that is that makes me think maybe something is going on is that she dies, possibly murdered. Then JFK murdered, Robert Kennedy murdered. That's a bit crazy. So you think aliens? No, I don't think aliens. <laughs> what do you think? But are they connected? I can see how some people that like to see things, and it is it is intriguing. All I like. To, I'm not the, saying I don't like to see things, Dave. I <laughs> really t- I don't take for granted my sight, my mm. vision, and that I have that sense. I'm very hashtag blessed for that. I'm very very dependent on smell. Hmm. And I smell something fishy. <laughs> it's just um. So if she was murdered, and then because they those two were definitely murdered, it's debated about who shot them. But yeah, that's a bit sus. If she's having an affair with both of them, and was it all around the same time? Well, then within ten years, they're all dead. Yeah, um, but I mean, a lot of people all died, right? And then, like these conspiracy theories happened after they were all dead already. So you're going, "Oh, it's a bit weird. They all died within ten years of each other. It must have been connected, maybe." No, I'm not saying that. But it's if she was having an affair with both of them, then maybe they are connected. But yeah. I can't say whether they were definitely having an affair. And whether or not that came up as a rumor before or after, and stuff. yes, yes, oh. I know. I wish I'd known at the, at the time. You weren't alive. 
So no, but I don't. I can see how. You know, that's very interesting. That's one. There, what? Yeah, that's one of the big conspiracy um, sort of ballparks, and to slide in Roswell as well. That makes it yeah. real oh, that's amazing. Juicy. And you know who wanted to go to the moon? <gasps> JFK. He was the one who started the the. And the aliens were like, "Fuck off! It's our turf." So they sent five mafia hitmen. Yeah, it makes sense. Alien mafia? Yeah. Jeez Louise. We've well, cracked this wide open. We have kind of cracked it wide open, but also I feel like we'll never know. I know. It is a bit, yeah. But also, like, it's another kind of sad, It's a, she's had, she had a pretty sad life. Oh, absolutely tragic. And the other thing is, would she be as iconic as she is now if she hadn't died? Maybe not. She was only 36 when she died too. Amazing. Mm. So young. So, yeah, that's my report on the life of Marilyn Monroe and then a, a, a brief section on... Um, on Cosmo. On Cosmo. And I forgot to mention at the start who suggested it. I'm sorry. Um, it was suggested by uh, Christy Bryson, Macy G, uh, JG and Sarah Clough all suggested that. So thank you very much. Thank you for the suggestions. And I can only presume that this is the second in a trilogy of tragic Hollywood deaths. You know it, baby. Oh, that's your second in a row. Natalie Wood. Natalie Wood, then uh, Monroe. Are you doing a trilogy? Well, maybe I'll aim for one. Sure. Why not? I don't know. Is Hollywood a place where there's a lot of tragic deaths? I don't know. I don't know if I'll... I'll struggle to find another one, but I'll try. Give it a go. I'll give it a go. Hey, um, as we do every week, it's time now... For our favourite part of the show, and that is where we thank some people that support us through Patreon. That is right. And if you want to do so, you want to help out and you get some sweet rewards in exchange, including the, these kind of shout-outs. You hear about uh, shows before anyone else does. You uh, get extra content, including two bonus episodes every single month. So if you want to help out, it really does keep the show going. Now, it's super easy. All you got to do is head to our New website, dogoonpod.com, and there's a little uh, tab there for Patreon. It'll take you straight through there, and anything you can give will be greatly received. Greatly. Greatly. And we've got to thank uh, a couple of people each now that do thank us. Sorry, that do support us. I feel like we should thank us in a way. We should stop fucking around by um, me and Dave suggesting things. Jess, you nearly always are better at this. Fuck, I don't have anything this time. Oh, I I was thinking changing their name. Oh, yeah, 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 great. Okay, yep. But we've done that before. We did that with Natalie Wood. Oh, but it's relevant again. This one, it's got to be an alliterative yes. name. Yep. Okay. Got it. And Ooh. it's, yeah. All right, and great. it's got to be their different. mother's maiden name. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> oh, this f- first guy I want to thank has got such a sick name. I think, as a general rule, all of our listeners have amazing names. But from Rockford, Illinois. Wow. I'm assuming IL is Illinois. I would love to thank Jacob Griefenstein. Wow. Jacob Griefenstein. That is a hell of a name. Jacob Griefenstein is another possibility. Oh, that's his alias. Yeah. We do. <laughs> Jess, what do you reckon? Jerry Jumanji. <laughs> that is a great that's name. That's a great name. That's, a, that's got big star written all over it. Bus Stop starring Jerry Jumanji. Wow. I'm seeing it. I'm um, seeing it twice. Me too. So nice. <laughs> I'm taking I'm my friend. I'm taking my mum. Because Jerry Jumanji is our favourite. And obviously Jacob Griefenstein or Jerry Griefenstein. Fuck. Sorry. I've learned I've learned how Stein should be said. Um, you forget every time though. It's a 
It's Stein. I'm pretty sure it's Stein. Okay. Jacob Gr- Griefenstein, I think. And I'd also love to thank another absolutely sick name. <laughs> to see from, uh, oh, no, I've lost him. Oh, no. Oh, oh no. <laughs> oh, goodness. Oh, oh, good Lord, no. <laughs> Neither of us are helping you either. Just letting you freak out. No, I'm enjoying out. you freak out. Uh, how, uh, what have you done? From <laughs> Seamless. Aberdeenshire in Great Britain, I'd love to thank Grant Cheese Wright. <laughs> Grant Cheese Wright. James, you want to have a go? All right, let me have a go. Follow your heart. Grant Cheese Wright. Oh, okay. Trent. Yes, I like it. Teleman. Trent Teleman. Trent Teleman. Not Teleman? No, Teleman. Got it. Love it. That sounds pretty good. Trent, Trent Teleman. Yeah, I like Very that a lot. Very good. See, it's fun, isn't it's it? It's fun, but I mean, I just couldn't beat Cheese Wright. It's no, the best yeah, last name I've ever heard. That's Cheese fantastic. <laughs> Um, oh, good on your grand cheese, right? Or oh, Trent Tellerman. You're now known. Um, can I thank some people? Please. I would like to thank from uh, Spokane, Ooh. Washington. Oh, hello. Matthew Dennis. Oh, Matthew Dennis. Hello, Matthew. Matt, have a go. Okay. From one Matt to another. All right, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna blank my mind. Okay. And then just doesn't, come out with whatever it is. I'm blanking. He's winding blanking, up. He's winding up. I'm blanking. Up. I'm blanking. I'm blanking. Fred Frinenstein. Oh, Stein, not Stein. Yeah, spelled double E. Fred oh. Frinenstein. <laughs> wow. I did not I gotta get stop this. blanking my. Gotta stop blanking my mind. You went that from nearly zero. never works. Dave. <laughs> What did I say? I was, I I was out there. Fred Frinnerstein. Fre- Fred Frinnerstein. Stein. <laughs> Stein. Fred Frinnerstein. Double E-N, yeah. Yeah, Fred Frinnerstein. Fred Frinnerstein. Thanks so much, Freddie. That's you now, Matthew Dennis. Thank you so much. And uh, next up, from the Isle of Wight. Oh, the Isle of Wight. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that's very that's cool. That's very cool. Harry Green. Oh, another great name. No, there's a lot of greens not. coming up. It's boring and we can make it better. <laughs> okay, how do we zing it? How do we make it mm. how do we make it pop? I'm blank my mind. I'm blank my mind. I'm doing the weird gesture Matt was doing yeah. before, right. but it's okay. It works. Uh, Open yourself up. And... Louis Landells. Oh That's yeah. Good. That is good. She, she dug deep. Oh, Louis I... Landells does sound like a that's a <laughs> I think a blank day. Like a golden era. Louis Landells. Mm-hmm. It's very nice. That's based on my friend Louis and the <laughs> surname of my friend Sophie, Sophie Landells. Oh. Wow. Yep. Harry Green, no more. Louis Landells, you are now the king of the Isle of Wight. Yes. Congratulations, sir. <laughs> now, I would like to thank all the way from Oklahoma City. Oh. Oklahoma, blah, blah, doo, In be, comes do, sweeping be, do, down be, the plains. In Oklahoma. <gasps> oh, <laughs> I was hoping to go again. Um, I'd like to thank Paul Valentine. Oh, oh my God, that's a stage name. You know, Vinnie Valentine. Keep Valentine. No, we've got to change it. Oh, we've got to give him so something. good. Paul oh, Valentine. Good. Fine, I give up. What about this? What about... Henry Heartthrob. Oh, yes. Great. Yes. Love it. But he's not typecast in just Heartthrob roles. No. Like he does action flicks too. Yeah, he can get gritty. Oh, he's so gritty. Yeah. Oh, uh, Paul, 
Henry. Thanks so much for your support. All Love the way. it. Yes. In yes. OKC. <laughs> And finally, I would like to thank, from Brisbane, right here in Australia, I would like to thank another very happy-sounding name, Alice Joy. Oh, Alice Joy. That's a great name. All right, let me think of something here. I love the name Alice already, but Joy is great. Grace Garibaldi. Ooh. Wow. <laughs> Grace Garibaldi. Matt did not enjoy that. You, oh, I did. I you, did. You liked Grace. Grace is a great stuff. <laughs> Garibaldi. It's an like, absolute classic. To no, me, that sounds, that sounds like a name that, like, that, that requires a stage name. Yeah. Grace Garibaldi. No, that is, oh. Wow. You're thinking, where is she from? She's got the Grace of Grace. She's got the Garibaldi of Garibaldi. <laughs> right. No, now that you say it that way, it's still fucking stupid. Grace you don't think that sounds good? No. You no. had Henry Heartthrob. Yeah, Great. That's a stage name. That's memorable. If Sounds like a porn star. I'm saying Grace, what's her face? Garibaldi. No. no I've already lost Grace Grabacoldi. I don't know. <laughs> oh, see, that's great. What's a different name? <laughs> I'm open to suggestions. Grace Grabacoldi is a really good one. I'm happy to admit when I've been trumped, and I've been trumped with Grace Grabacoldi. <laughs> That's a great name. Yeah, Grace Grabacoldi. Alice, yeah. come on. You're happy with that? <laughs> Grabacoldi on us. <laughs> with your own money, of course. Uh, thank you so much. In what way is it on us? Uh, she, she gives us I money. made the suggestion. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. That's, that is a very, that's a very generous offer. <laughs> thank you. And thank you so much. To Help Grace. yourself to a drink. Yeah. And thanks to all the superstars um, from Hollywood and around the world that support us through Patreon really does make a big, big difference in our little lives. We've got little lives. We do. <laughs> and little bums. <laughs> now, for, usually I <laughs> speak for yourself. I do. I've got no bum. <laughs> Neither do I. It's been well documented on the show. Matt, how's your butt? It will not quit. <laughs> Great. Now, Just a real workaholic. <laughs> usually at the end of this show, this is the part where I say uh, all the all the ways you can contact us. But guess what? We've put them all in one spot, and it's dogoonpod.com, and that's also where you can find the Patreon and the link to suggest a topic. And maybe next week we'll be reporting on uh, your suggestion. So hit up dogoonpod.com, and don't forget, uh, you can check out uh, our merchandise on there now. Yes, exciting times. Buy a, buy a couple of T-shirts. Yes, buy two of them. Grab a coldie. <laughs> two of each. Thank, and yeah, <laughs> chuck us any suggestions you like for um, for what we can do with the website, merchant, anything yes, you like. We Obviously, we're always open to suggestions of any type. Unless your suggestions are, are dumb, yeah, oh, then I don't want to. I don't want to fucking hear them. <laughs> suggestions for topic, put them. We are still getting a few via tweets and that, and uh, emails and stuff like that. If you just go straight to the hat, that is the only way in these days to get your suggestions in, and you can do that at the website. Um, do go on pod.com that's right alright well that is us for another week thanks so much for tuning in we will be back with another episode in seven days time DW but report yes the best ones oh gotta start thinking about what I'm gonna be talking about it's gonna be a lot of fun but thanks for tuning in until next week I'll say thank you and goodbye laters Wait, that's yeah. my... how's it fucking feel bye no <laughs> yeah this 
podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. I mean, if you want. It's up to you. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hi, I'm Una Chaplin, and I'm the host of a new podcast called Hollywood Exiles. It tells the story of how my grandfather, Charlie Chaplin, and many others were caught up in a campaign to root out communism in Hollywood. It's a story of glamour and scandal and political intrigue and a battle for the soul of a nation. Hollywood Exiles from CBC Podcasts and the BBC World Service. Find it wherever you get your podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. <laughs>